I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant man. Committed to him in everything I do believe he'll come again. And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham. Hello and welcome everybody to the Covenant Living Broadcast. This beautiful woman on my left is Lynn Weeder, and my name is David Weeder, and we are so glad that you're here. Don't forget to make that cup of coffee or a cup of tea or maybe a protein shake or maybe just a glass of water. But whatever you have, make sure that your Bible and your notebook and your pen is with it and pull a chair on up to the table and join us today because we sure enjoy having you with us. Praise God. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for each and every person that is joining us today. And we thank you for the revelation and the teaching of the word that changes all of our lives and brings us from a level of faith to a higher level of faith, from a level of glory to a higher level of glory, and teaches us and, and reveals to us how to live free and victorious in every area of our lives, praise God. We're so grateful, so we're so honored, and we thank you for it in the mighty, matchless, majestic name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Praise God. Well. We would like to talk to you today about investing wisely. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, it's going to take all broadcast to explain it. <laughs> so first of all, open your Bibles with us over to the book of Philippians. And get all my stuff in order here. <laughs> Philippians... Chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read down through uh, verse 7. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to, you know, you may not, you may not know this, or you may not have noticed it before, but you know, uh, the apostles, a whole lot of the time, they start their letters off with grace and peace, grace and peace. Do you ever wonder about that? Well, let me let you know about it. <laughs> One of the reasons was because, you know, particularly Paul was called to the Gentiles, mm -hmm. but he was trained in Jewish. And, reach, and, 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 and even though he was called to the Gentiles, he reached out to the Jewish people, of course. Well, grace appealed to the Gentiles, mm -hmm. praise God. And peace, yes. shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, that got the attention of the Jews. And so he was all things to all men, praise God. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Stop. <laughs> Hold up just a minute. Hold your place there and turn over to Luke chapter 5. 
I want to show you something. And then we're going to replace that word fellowship with something. Luke chapter 5 and verse 10. Now this is where uh, the soon-to-be disciples <laughs> are being talked to here. And in verse 10, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. So they were partners with Simon Barjona in the shipping business. Now that word partner, translated partner there, is exactly the same Greek word that was translated fellowship in Philippians chapter 1. So I'm going to read that as partnership there, all right? And you'll see where we're going. Always in verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet or able for good for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all, all of you, all of you partners are partakers of my grace. The grace, the anointing that was on him to do and accomplish what the Lord had called him to do. He said, it is by grace that I am what I am, you know? And so this is a partnership letter to his partners that got into partnership of the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And I, I know exactly what he feels. <laughs> I thank God upon every remembrance of you. I tell you what, we sit down for breakfast, I'm praying over you. We sit down for lunch, I'm praying over you. We sit down for dinner, I'm praying over you. I pray over you when we get in the airplane. I pray over you when we get in the car. You're just praying for all the time. And I thank God for you and for your prosperity and for your protection and you're walking in divine health, and you're healing from all sickness and all disease constantly. You're just there all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing, and that is our part of the partnership. Not all, but that's the primary part is we exercise our faith and the grace that has been given to us to do what we do in behalf of all of our partners. Praise God. Now, that's the foundation of it. But look over a couple chapters more, and you'll see a little bit more to it in uh, chapter 4. got to spread out. got to spread mm -hmm. out. I need a bigger table here. Spread out, get a little more room here. There we go. All right. So why don't you read chapter 4, uh, 15 through 19 there. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You want to know what that word communicated is? Partnered. Yep. It's the exact it's the same, same word. word. Yep. It is the same word. Partnered. No, nobody else. Nobody else partnered with me except you. His first partner. First partners. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once again unto my necessity. 
not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that yes. may abound to your account. Yes, yes, yes. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Praise God. But my God mm -hmm. shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Praise God. Did you ever notice that? He didn't say, Paul didn't say, but God shall supply. He didn't say, but your God shall supply. He said, my God shall supply. Why? Because they're partners. God can supply their needs according to Paul's grace and anointings because of the partnership that took place. That's why Paul said in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. Because if you partner with me, then there's certain fruit that will abound to your account. And then my God, according to the grace that he's placed on me and according to the anointings that he's placed on me and according to what he's called us to accomplish shall supply your needs according to those graces, those callings, and those anointings. So you get a, you catch, you're starting to catch a little glimpse of the return on the investment. <laughs> it's what we're, was what we're catching a glimpse of here. Now, so let's look at, because these are the, you know, uh, the church in Philippi, which is located in Macedonia. Let's look at another place where Paul was talking about them. So turn over to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to spend a little time here in 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at it in, I'm going to read down through it in the King James Version. And then we're going to look at it in the Amplified Version, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to begin just right here in verse 1 and read down. Uh, to start with, we're going to read down through verse 5. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Okay? So now we've located them. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves voluntarily, in other words, praying with us, praying us with much entreaty. They were begging that we would accept their gift. They were, we would receive their gift and take upon us the fellowship of, of the ministering to the saints. And as they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I'd like to read that in the Amplified Classic Version because it, it gives a, a, it does exactly what it's supposed to. <laughs> it amplifies the meanings and it goes back and, and lists several different trans, um, uh, words that can be translated in there. And it just really clarifies it, particularly in this um, situation. We want to tell you further, brethren, verse 1, 
about the grace, the favor and spiritual blessing of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia. And what did that grace do? It says here, arising in them the desire to give alms. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. Lavish generosity in their deep poverty. For as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, according to their ability and beyond their ability, and they did it voluntarily, begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of contributing in this ministration for the relief and support of the saints. Nor was this gift of theirs merely the contribution that we expected, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his agents by the will of God, entirely disregarding their personal interests. They gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. Wow. <laughs> what a description. Well, and as you're reading that, one of my first thoughts is, okay, if they're in deep poverty, where'd they get the money to give? And that answer is in that God supplies the seed to the sower. Mm -hmm. And the bread to the eater. Yes. Yeah. Which is only the next chapter over. Exactly. And he that's goes on he to explain it. That. Yeah, exactly. Now, I want to back up here and look at this. There's another word here. And you see it in the King James Version as well. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive their gift and take upon us the partnership of the ministering to the saints. Mm -hmm. Here's the partnership. Paul was talking in Philippians 1. From the first day, you were my partners in ministering to the saints and in the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. Partnership. Why? Why? was this so very, very important to them? Well, there's one big reason, and it's down just a couple verses later, because they were growing in the working knowledge of this grace also. Look at verse seven. Now, he had to encourage them. Therefore, as you abound in everything, you abound in faith, and in utterance, and in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see also that you abound in this grace also. What grace? The grace that they tapped in partnering with him, the grace to give, the grace to receive, this whole, the whole grace to operate in the financial system of God. Grow in this grace I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace, here we are again, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. Rich is not a dirty four-letter word. It is a four-letter word, but it's a four-letter Bible word. 
praise God. And it's a Bible word that's supposed to apply to you, to me, and to every child of, the, of God Almighty, the King of the universe. Yes, you know, it's really pretty ridiculous to think that the King of the universe that has gates made of a pearl and gold streets would want his children to be poor. That's well, just and insanity. when you're poor, you can't help as can't many people. Can't help other people. That's exactly right. Now, look at this. Look at verse nine in the Amplified Classic. It really clarifies why why they're wanting, why there's such a strong desire for them to give. I told you it was because uh, they were growing in the working knowledge of this grace. Verse nine in the Amplified Classic version says, "For you are becoming progressively acquainted with." and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessings, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. Did you see that? Did you see those words? Becoming, you're becoming progressively acquainted with. You're, you're recognizing more strongly and more clearly about this grace of giving and receiving mm -hmm. and this grace that comes with partnership. Yep. They're growing in it. And so they're definitely, we want more of this. We want more of this. And, 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 and that's why he was able to say, yeah, my God, according to my grace, mm -hmm. shall supply your needs. Praise God. And you know, that doesn't say meet your needs. It does meet your needs, but it's a supply. It's a continual supply. You can't exhaust it. Well, however big it gets, hey, you got the supply that will match it and exceed it. Praise God. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you a setup question here, okay? Does God give us money and things to meet our needs? <laughs> no. <laughs> but David, you just read, my God shall, shall supply all your needs. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, turn over with me to, let's see. Turn over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stand by, please. This was not in, it was in the plan but it was not in my plan. Okay, my God shall supply all your needs. Okay, we saw that. Now, First Timothy six seventeen. It's in my it's my it's my ministry school. Do you ever know this that you know if, if you're for all you ministers out there. If you want to, if you ever need a private uh, <laughs> minister's conference, if you're ever just in the need of a little pick-me-up, a little instruction, a little encouragement, and you just wish you could go to a minister's conference, turn over to 1 and 2 Timothy. That's what it is. The Apostle Paul teaching his beloved son, Timothy, the operation of the ministry. That's what it is. But it's, you know, all the rest of the body of Christ gets to uh, benefit from it as well. All right, 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that'd be us, you and me. We're, we're, in the, we're not of the world, but we're in it. Rich in this world that we 
that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things, 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 things to enjoy. So the answer to the question is he gives us things for us to enjoy and in the process they supply all of our needs. So I know it was a little bit of a rigged question, but <laughs> that's just, uh, but did, you, you might learn something from that. So there you go. All right, all right back on track here, back on track. <clears throat> okay, so they were becoming more and more acquainted with how this system works and why Paul was able to tell them that all their needs would be supplied because of this partnership. No church communicated or partnered with them, with him except them. Not because he needed a gift, but so that the fruit could abound to their account. This principle has been around for a long, long time, and it's a principle instituted forever. Let's go back in, over into the first covenant and look at 1 Samuel. We're going to be going to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to read all the way down. We're going to start in verse 1, read all the way down through verse 25. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the uh, Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but they carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him, now, they, I mean, they, they're just getting back to the city. They've already been marching and traveling and everything. They just got home. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now that's, hmm. there at the end. And David's two wives were taken captives, uh, Ahinoam and Jezreelites. <laughs> and Ab that's why you just say honey. Hmm. <laughs> and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Camelite. And David was greatly distressed because the people, now they're talking about stoning him. Because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Grief will do terrible things, oh, horrible things. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Boy, you could stop there and preach for a long time. David encouraged himself. Praise God. Now, uh, we are running really close on time, so go ahead and, and come on down here. The, they went on a forced march. They, he and David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, recover all. And so David said, all right, here we go. Let's go. But they got to this creek that's really in the creek. It's a pretty good river, especially when it's full up with uh, water. And the ones that were tired, they couldn't continue. It wasn't safe for them to cross. Nope. And so David left, well, you know, the Lord, not David and his mighty everything, the Lord delivered all of their stuff back to him and defeated the enemy. He came back and those guys that were with him said, no, we ain't splitting the goods with these other guys. No, they didn't do anything. They just stayed back there. And David said, 
uh, this will not be so. No, it was not by our great might. It was the Lord that did this for us. And, and the people that stayed part. behind did their part and they're going to share equally with us that went out for. And it was the God, God said it was established as a principle for ever. Forever. All right? Now, I want you to see something and then I'm going to be right back and we'll close this up. My name is Sergio Alvarado, and I grew up on the streets of Juarez, Mexico. I know the streets. The heartbeat of this ministry is to reach the kids. I know the pain and what it's like to be without food, without a place to live, and without parents. That's why, when God delivered me and brought hope in my life, I felt the call to bring hope back to the people that need it the most. It's my heart, and I believe the heart of God, to make a difference and impact in Juarez, Mexico. We are making a difference. We are changing the lives of the next generation. Hey, did you enjoy that? Praise God, I know I did. <laughs> That's, we believe so strongly in partnership that we have partnered with, with Sergio and his ministry and with, and with other people. That's one example of our partnership but then also what we're called to do. I was down there preaching in Juarez, teaching the word of God to the people that need it to be delivered and to, to come up in life and, and grow. That's what we do. Now, let me put a little asterisk on that. That's what you do. If you've partnered with our ministry or if you're considering becoming a partner, all you have to do is go to davidweeder.org, click on partnership, and it's all there, what, what we believe about partnership, why partnership is so important, and the ability to become a partner right there. But hey, you went to Juarez and ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people while you were working on your job, while you were working in the restaurant or at the uh, auto mechanic or, or whatever. You were doing that, but you partnered with us. So you get exactly the same credit. It was a it was established in Israel forever. Why? Because God loves you. He wants the best for you. He's always for you. And this is a way he can get the best to you. And because Jesus is Lord. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith is a must read for every man and woman, married or planning to be married. Dr. David Weeder writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. He takes complex biblical truths and makes them easy to understand for every reader. You'll learn not only how valuable, but also how strong the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. It elevates the woman to a place of honor that her Heavenly Father intended. David Weeder breaks through incorrect religious doctrine by allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible and bringing context to scripture references often void of it. It is only through this truth that we can truly be powerful and effective in our prayers and entire lives. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. 
Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make this broadcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. You can also listen to our broadcast on iTunes. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380. Join us again next time on the Covenant Living Broadcast.